Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and we're into the next century of our MCS podcast with our 101st episode. And over here at the headquarters, we decided to mix things up a bit with our show and give our listeners more of a glimpse into some of the events that are happening behind the scenes inside of our New World Patriot Alliance training portal. Now, each month in the NWPA, one of the things that our members get to do is take part in a monthly live master class where we dig really deep into a specific topic to end up with a, a personal action plan for you to master a new self-protection or survival skill. Now, this month in the NWPA, I'm really excited to bring in a new expert into our network, Jonathan Hollerman who I know our members are going to learn a lot from because we're going to be taking a hard look at what it really takes to survive one of the most probable collapse scenarios, a grid-down blackout. Now, to give you a glimpse into our upcoming training, I got Jonathan on the phone for a quick chat about why this training is so critical and how to deal with the number one threat you're likely to face during a wide-scale blackout. Now, if you're an NWPA member, be sure to put our upcoming class with Jonathan on your calendar. And for everyone else, you can sign up for just a dollar over at newworldpatriot.org. But for now, check out my interview with Jonathan for our podcast this week. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. It's a threat so powerful that government experts, including the Pentagon, NASA, and the CIA, have warned that it could wipe out as many as 281 million Americans in just the first year. And since the 2008 election, even politicians were warning that we need to do something to prepare for this dangerous event before tragedy strikes. Yet, not surprisingly, very few people are doing anything to get ready. And in fact, they're relatively clueless about the potential dangers we may face, even in the near future. I'm talking about, of course, a wide-scale grid-down blackout that literally throws our entire society into the dark ages overnight and forces everyone into a panic. This event could come about from any number of scenarios, including terrorist attacks, natural disaster, an electromagnetic pulse, or even from a falling tree branch that takes out a large section of our power grid. But one thing is for sure, when it hits, everyone will quickly become aware of just how dependent our society is on services such as the internet, cell phones, food production, and even areas often overlooked, such as sanitation and water supply. And when a grid-down blackout strikes, there will be many factors you're going to need to plan for in order to avoid being one of those 281 million Americans who won't survive. In the next week in our New World Patriot Alliance Masterclass, we're going to be digging deep into exactly how to prepare. But today, we deal with one of the most dangerous threats you may face, and it's not one that even relies on electricity. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is survival expert, consultant, and best-selling author, Jonathan Hollerman. Jonathan, welcome to the program, man. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Awesome, man. It's great to have you on here. I'm looking forward to introducing your, your stuff to everybody. Now, listen, everybody, Jonathan is a former Air Force Elite SEER instructor 
where he's trained hundreds of students in how to survive under the most extreme circumstances, including in the harshest weather conditions and under extreme food and sleep deprivation. Now, today, Jonathan has gone on to take his unique survival background, experience, and philosophies to a much larger audience through his best-selling books such as EMP, Equipping Modern Patriots, and Survival Theory, a Preparedness Guide, as well as his latest work with a DVD on bugging out. Now, in addition, he's gone on to help others benefit from his background by offering personalized preparedness consulting and everything from putting together your personal survival plan to planning, buying, and building your own survival retreat. Now, for more information on Jonathan and his training and services, please visit him at www.griddownconsulting.com. Uh, Jonathan, we're going to dig deep into this next week. I'm really looking forward to that. But probably one of the biggest dangers of an extended grid down blackout is the people factor and how the unprepared that are out there are going to react over time. And recently, I don't know if I wanted to say, you know, ironically, there was a, a movie that I just saw. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like survival movies, but mm -hmm. this one was without even the zombies coming out of the ground and chomping on your eyeballs. This one was, um, it was called Into the Woods with Ellen Page. I don't know if you saw this or not yet, but what I liked about it is that it, it, there were no zombies in it whatsoever. It was really just kind of a practical look at what happens in a grid down blackout in a very microcosm. So we're talking like in the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't even like the city was being overrun by anarchists and, and, you know, that might have been going on in the background, but really, this was in a very rural area, and what these two – I won't give anything out about the movie – but what basically two women needed to do in order to survive. And one of the mm -hmm. things that they have to deal with is that people factor about the yep. people that do not prepare. So let me ask you this. What would you say are the most critical steps that someone should take to be prepared for, for living without electricity but also protect themselves from the threat of other people who who maybe want your preparations that, that we've taken care of, like our food and things like that? Well, the, you brought up a really good point, and I have seen that movie. And uh, I think people really, they really need to educate themselves and truly understand the threat that a grid down scenario poses to survival and, and how it how drastically it differs from preparing for you know a financial collapse or pandemic or some of the other various scenarios uh, a long term loss of the electric grid will be infinitely harder to survive than a massive financial collapse for instance uh, and outside of a financial collapse it's also the most likely thing to happen in our future it all really revolves around the high-voltage transformers in this country and how absolutely and completely vulnerable they are to attack or to a, just a random solar flare. In most grid-down scenarios, it's not, it's not really a scenario where someone just flips a few breakers and the, cower, and the power comes back on in a couple hours or a couple days. There's a, there's a high probability that we could lose a large percentage of these transformers, and a lot of people don't really understand how that would impact their life. Those those high voltage transformers take 12 to 18 months to build and they come from China. In the best case scenario, we're looking at a minimum of six months of, without power, more likely a year or two. And at that point, our country will probably lost what 80 to 90% of its population. Uh, so who's, who's going to be around to fix the grid and, and who are they really going to be fixing it mm. for? So, uh, it's one of the biggest problems I see in the preparedness community where you're talking about. And, uh, there's a lot of, so-called prepper experts out there who don't fully understand the threat and and 
I'm talking about the ones that recommend you board up your windows in town, form a coalition of like-minded neighbors to protect your suburban street like they did in the, the book Lights Out by, by David Crawford. And what I've kind of come to find out is a lot of people making the recommendations on how to survive are, are telling you how to do it in town. They have absolutely no experience with starving people and the psychological effects it will have on everyday Americans. You know, no one in America, even the poorest here, I mean, they've never really truly been starving. In this country, if you want food, there's a place you could probably go get food. And it's not like the starvation in Africa, because those people are familiar with it. They're familiar with being hungry and starving, and it's an experience they've they've grown up with and dealt with their entire lives. In a grid-down scenario in our country, you know, our, our on-demand food infrastructure ceases to exist. There is no interstate trucking or commerce. The supermarkets will be looted within a few days, and they're never going to get resupplied. You know, there's just absolutely no possible way to feed 300-plus million Americans without electricity. There just isn't. Uh, there's no plan of action that the military or DHS can put into effect to feed 300 million Americans uh, without the electric grid. And people need to understand that. A yeah. lot of them, you know, I hear, you know, a lot of people think the military is, you know, going to step up and do food deliveries or this or that. But the military is not coming to help you either. I actually have a DOD report on my website that, you know, you can go and download that straight up tells Congress that the, that the military is 99% reliant on the civilian electric grid. The report comes straight out and says that if we lose the civilian electric grid, the military will be unable to respond to social unrest. So the military's not going to be able to help you. They're going to be in the same boat as everybody else. And then you have the other Americans like, oh, you know, oh, we'll just work together and sing Kumbaya while we rebuild just like we did after 9-11 or Hurricane Katrina. But that only works if there's food in everybody's belly. And uh, that that kind of working together towards a you know mutual goal, that's not going to work without food. It'll be every man for himself. Uh, I, I often use the analogy of, you know, you, you have a next-door neighbor who you've had a beer with or, you know, borrowed a mower from a time or two. You know, if we're, if we're a month into a grid-down collapse and he's watching his four-year-old daughter wasting away to nothing on the verge of death in her bed, and he knows or even assumes that you have food, He's coming to take it. He will kill you over a can of peaches. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, I can work with this person, work with that person. But if there's no food, all of that, it really goes goes out the window. And that, that goes back to where most preparedness experts, in my opinion, get it wrong. Is Again, they don't understand the psychology of true starvation. Now, I've never really worked with truly starving people, but part of my um, – what I did with Sears, we took pilots and navigators out in the wood, and one of the things we did was we took most of their food away from them for six days. And to see the, the psychological change just over six days with minimal food over highly trained pilots and navigators and, you know, special forces guys, it, it truly does change your psychology. Uh, there's, there's a great book on this subject, subject called The Lucifer Effect by world-renowned professor and psychologist Philip Zimbardo, okay? Even though it doesn't have anything to do with preparedness, I highly recommend, you know, people that are interested in preparedness, they, they need to read this book. His life work and his area of study revolves around the horrible things that everyday people are capable of doing when they are desperate or there's a lack of law and order oversight. He has studied the atrocities of the Holocaust and how the everyday normal people in Germany went along with it, as well as things like the Russian soldiers and what they did with the Germans during World War II and Vietnam. 
Uh, he's most famous. Uh, Jeff, I don't know, have you ever heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment uh, back in the 70s? Rings a bell, but I couldn't recite anything. Okay, well, he was the one that actually ran that. He's been studying this aspect of human psychology his entire life, and um, they actually made a movie about it re- recently. I forget what it's called, though. Uh, but in a nutshell, they took some average college students, put them in a fake prison, randomly making like half of them guards and half of them prisoners, with, and they basically gave them no rules. They just, just, just to kind of see what happened. And it quickly delved into the guards, like abusing and torturing and doing horrible stuff to the, the, the other students, the other, uh, students that were acting as prisoners. And they actually had to stop the experiment after like two days or three days or something like that. It was just, it's how fast things can fall apart when there's no law and order, there's no police, there's no military that's, you know, keeping, keeping order and if we end up in a grid down scenario um, the darkest side of human nature is going to be released you know and there's not going to be anybody to to really stop them yeah so, so let's so let me let me go ahead and um because uh this is like i could i could go on about this forever but let's go ahead and get into some of the ways to um to like knowing like you you really painted a bleak i would say a good picture but it's not a good picture it's a very like disturbing <laughs> picture of what it's going to be like and that people factor um under the under that extreme stress and what happens to people psychologically um knowing what people around you are going to be like and that they can become a threat it's not just that your refrigerator doesn't work anymore and you can't you know play pokemon go on your phone anymore it's really like the people factor so so let's give our our listeners um some some actual like st- some strategies that they can do. I mean, one I pulled out already from you is to well, I guess I'll, I'll let you you comment on it, but one is just because you you've borrowed the mower from your neighbor doesn't mean that they're not going to be the ones, you know, attacking you for a can of peaches. So so that means that, you know, one of the strategies I think we talk about a lot is, you know, keeping your preps a secret. It's not like you want to go pop a beer with your neighbor and say, oh, dude, I just got another year's worth of uh, survival food in my basement. So one right. thing I would say is, you know, make sure, sh- you know, even with your, your friends and family, word can spread. So keep everything a secret except, you know, or strategically, I think. Yes. I, 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 I use the analogy of treat it like your life insurance policy. Okay, and technically having you know long-term food storage and 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 other preparations is like a it is basically an insurance policy. But treat it like a life insurance policy. How many people actually know how much money you know your wife gets when you die? I mean, I, you might have, might not even have told your wife. So <laughs> there, there's That's a good there's point. no reason for anybody to know anything about what you're doing. And uh, yeah, that is the number one role of preparing for hard times is not to tell anybody about it. Uh, if, if, if you tell somebody, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that person, whenever they're starving and desperate and they know you have food, they will show up. And it may be somebody, a coworker that you, you know, your best buds with that you play racquetball with, you know, at lunchtime, that person, when they're white, when his wife and kids or her husband and kids are starving to death and dying, they're coming for your food and they're going to probably be bringing, you know, other relatives or other friends, you know, it's not going to stay secret for long. So even though these people you may be telling, you trust them and you trust them to even keep it a secret for now. They'll keep it a secret. They, they may keep it a secret for now, but 
you know, at some point they're going to be showing up at your doorstep. And then, you know, I could, you know, talk for the next 10 minutes on the whole whether, you know, how, you know, whether you want to share your food with desperate people or not. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But I would say if, if you're looking for, you know, three primary things, um, one is you have to be able to, to have food and access to food and water. You know, I, I recommend my clients that I work with have at least at minimum a year's worth of long-term food storage because if this happens in, you know, because you hear a lot of countries, well, I know how to garden, I know how to do this and do that. Yeah, well, you know, if this, if an EMP attack or solar flare happens in November, you're never going to make it till next July when your garden starts producing its carrots and zucchini, you know. Yeah. You know you've got to have enough food to get you through to when you can start producing your own food. So it's very important that you have at least a one year's uh, supply of food and access to clean water and, and understand that you can't drink unpurified water uh, in this, you know, in this scenario, you, you always have to purify your water. So, so food and water is, if you don't have that, you're, you're probably, you're going to die at some point. Okay. Yeah. And if, you don't have protection, so it's not just protection for people, protection from the elements. You have to have some place to go to get to stay to stay warm in the winter, to keep the rain off your head, and then obviously the protection side of it. I get very in depth. I've got two chapters in my book, Survival Theory, on uh, survival and preparedness-based weapons, and uh, that's kind of like talking. You know, religion with with most people, and you know, you're never going to see eye to eye with everybody. But uh, I come at it from an aspect of, you know, I, I look at long term survival weapons as what, you know, number one, what is the most reliable? What's going to be the most, you know, easily accessible to to get parts and ammunition for? So, you know, staying group standard and staying in common calibers, not having, you know, six point eight or you know, some strange caliber that you, you'll probably never find more ammo in. And, uh, you know, so I, I really delve into protection and weapons from a preparedness standpoint, which is going to differ a little bit from what you're going to read in, you know, American Handgunner. So uh, food, protection, and then, you know, it's kind of jumping back into what I was talking about is, is you know, you have to get out of town. And uh, you have to get away from mass population centers. If if you stay in a a mass population center, your chances of survival are so slim. They they really are because you can't trust anybody, and everybody's starving, and everybody's going to come for your food if you have it. And if you don't have food, you know you're you're in the same boat as uh, as, as everybody else. So the reason I see a lot of preparedness, you know blogs and whatnot talking about how to prepare, how to board up your windows and, you know, put a fence around your, your garden in the backyard, hide this. You can't hide. They're going to find you sooner or later. They're going to go house to house and door to door. But the reason I see a lot of this type of advice is because, you know, for most mere mortals, people that aren't millionaires, you know, owning a, a million dollar survival retreat somewhere just isn't really an option. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of a desperation thing. People say, you know, hey, I see the threat of an EMP attack. I see the threat of a grid down scenario, but I don't really know what to do to, you know, I'm, you know, I don't have the money to have a full survival retreat and I, I don't know what to do. So my book, Survival Theory, uh, gets into multiple different ways that, uh, people can prepare for a grid down scenario on a budget and how they can get out of town, even if they don't have a survival retreat to go to, tells them where to go. 
Uh, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it, but I, I'm assuming that's something we could probably cover next yeah. week as we get a little deeper. Yeah, awesome. I have really great information. And, you know, they all kind of um, – they go together as well, too, right? Because if you don't have enough food, if you're in an area – well, then – if you don't have enough food, that means you have to go find food. And if you have to go find food, you've got to venture out, typically to where other people are going to be out looking for food as well, which puts you right there in the lion's den of dealing with other people. And so, exactly. you know, it's an important factor, I think, there. If you've got your needs covered, then it keeps you from having to take that chance of going out or leading someone back to your place inadvertently or something like that where you have to protect yourself and your family. So so it all it all really goes together. This is awesome. Well, Jonathan, thanks, man. Um, really great information, and um, I'm looking forward to our, our master class on this topic coming up next week. Listen, everybody, uh, the people factor is, is really only one aspect of what you need to do to prepare now and as well as during an event one of the things that you're going to have to face and know how to handle. So we're going to be going deeper into this over in the New World Patriot Alliance next week. So if you're a member, go ahead and make sure that you submit your questions now. Join us for the live call if you can. You get on the phone and you can ask your questions there. But go ahead and submit them ahead of time if, you, if you'd like to do that and put it on your calendar to make sure that we uh, that we you get this on and we, we get a hold of this training. Okay, so, so check that out. And... Um, Listen, uh, definitely head on over to Jonathan's website. He's got a lot of great information there on training as well as the services that he has. He flies all over the place talking with every day from everything from the average Joe all the way up to millionaires who are trying to put together their personalized survival plan, survival retreat, putting together the plan for when these things happen, what do I do? And that's personalized for them. So uh, so a lot of great stuff over there. Go check it out. It's over at www.griddownconsulting.com. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.